Hello and welcome to Book City Roanoke. I'm Douglas Jackson, and for the third episode of season two, I'm very happy to welcome Hoot and Holler founder Lee Hunsaker. But before we start the conversation, I want to plug a little bit of what we do here with Book City Roanoke. Uh, this is about books and writing in our lives and in our community. And there's a growing group of people who are exploring equity and engagement there at the intersection of books and place. And you can see what we're doing at bookcityroanoke.com. Uh, there's the New Connection Civil Discourse Book Club. Uh, there are interviews with local and visiting writers. Uh, we're, we talk a lot with city builders, and those are people who are using the written word and books and storytelling as ways of um, engaging people um, and a way of making the community a better place. And Roanoke is full of these people. Uh, you can sign up for the monthly newsletter online and you can get all the episodes of the podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Book No Further. Uh, they're our sponsor, they're Roanoke's independent bookstore, putting ideas in your head since 2017 down on the Roanoke City Market. This season, we're focused on the theme of the next chapter, books, writing, and the personal renaissance. And when I mentioned this theme to people, uh, everyone, to a, to a person, the guy, their eyes lit up and they said, yes, I've got a perspective on that. I'm, I'm interested in this. Uh, so I think we're going to have a season of really thoughtful conversations. Lee Hunsaker is a fixture around Roanoke. She's returned from the West. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit about that. And she's founded Hoot and Holler, Our Stories Out Loud. And if you haven't been to a Hoot and Holler event, you've got to get there. Uh, they're magical. That's, that's what I'll say about it. But let's hear what Lee Hunsaker has to say about it. Of course, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> no bias. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think you'd find anybody who's been to one who wouldn't, who wouldn't say that. Uh, I, in fact, I would take, I'm taking it as a personal challenge. I'm going to try and find that one person, and then I'll say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I love that. Just don't give me, just don't tell me because then I'll get anxious and I'll lose sleep over that one person Oh and no. I'll want to satisfy them. Oh no, no, you can't do that. You're doing important work in the community and we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. How did you get started with this? Oh my goodness. It's a crooked, crooked path, <laughs> but isn't everything good in life? I think. Uh, well, the short story is I was living in Austin, Texas and I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2008. And I had a little baby and a new marriage. And I was working in the film industry at the time working 16, 18 hours a day. And uh, when I was diagnosed, of course, it turned my life upside down. And I just immediately knew I had to make some changes. I was not living authentically. And part of that was coming back to Roanoke to where I'm from and being near the mountains, being near my family and really wanting a new start. So when I arrived, I had absolutely no idea what to do with myself. Um, so I started doing writing workshops in my own living room with women and drinking wine and uh, talking about life's important things. And it started going really well. And I started to realize my true love is writing and, um, and stories. So I came up with this idea, this name of Hoot and Holler. I thought it worked uh, for our region and it spoke to me. <laughs> and I created a Facebook page and I came up with our first theme and spoke to our friends over at Sweet Donkey Coffee 
and said, what do you think we have a hoedown, a story hoedown in your front yard with hay bales and bonfires and beer? And they said, absolutely. So I put it out there. I had 12 storytellers within three days signed up and we packed the place the very first time we tried this. And so I knew I was doing something that was resonating. Mm. What do people tell you resonates with them about the the evenings? Uh, Gosh, I think there's so many levels to it. I think there's something about gathering in real time with people and getting off of our devices and really communing with each other, really listening. And then, of course, there's just the truth and honesty that people um, are bravely standing up there to talk about. Um, My whole kind of philosophy about this is that anytime somebody is speaking from their heart, there's going to be something that everyone relates to. And so I really push for honesty and truth, even if it's uncomfortable. And there's nothing better than seeing the audience out there kind of nodding their heads, even with the hard stuff, because there's some element that we can all relate to. And that's been really exciting to witness. Wow. And I, I can imagine the people who come to a hoot and holler storytelling event uh, and they, they listen and they think, oh, I could never be that person up there. And then somehow they become that person up there. How does that happen? That just gave me a chill up and down my spine when you said that. <laughs> this is the most thrilling part of, of the magic of live storytelling and what I do. It is those very people that quite often tell the most profound stories, the ones that are most nervous and feel like they have nothing to say. Those are the people I want to capture. Um, and... I think what my strong suit is, is really encouraging them. We work very hard behind the scenes um, to get people ready to feel comfortable to stand up there and share their story. So the empowerment that I can literally witness that comes over their face when they stand up there and start to speak and take that first deep breath, uh, the difference between the person that stands up there before they share and the person that walks off the stage is it's palpable. And it is thrilling to me to see. And then they get the bug and then they want to be in every single show. And I love it. (laughs) Wow. And I bet you have uh, um, far more requests to be in shows than you have slots for. Yes, I definitely have a core group of people who I can always count on if somebody drops out or if I'm missing a certain voice that I feel like would really round out the night. There's definitely a a group that I can go to and they say, I'm in. Absolutely. Um, But it really is just what resonates with people. I think as soon as I publish the invite and do a storyteller call, um, I, I always encourage people, like, if this resonates with you, send me your thought right away. Don't sit on it. Don't wait. Go with that gut feeling because that's often um, the right the right thing to do, to follow your heart and follow that gut. Um, but yes, the pool is getting wider and wider and deeper and deeper um, of storytellers. And every single time we have new voices, which is wonderful and encouraged. And when you mentioned rounding out the night, um, what makes a night kind of, full in, 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 in the community of Roanoke. What's the kind of range of voices that we would hear? 
Well, um, of course, humor is um, the great unifier. And um, there's there's a lot of fine lines between being very heartfelt and um, and keeping things light and not sort of overwhelming an audience with um, with too much to take home. So part of what I do and I put a lot of thought into kind of arcing the night. So starting off and I think really hard about the order of stories and how to leave the audience. We want to leave them smiling, feeling hopeful, feeling inspired. Um, and so that's a really important part of what I do is, is thinking about how all the stories fit together and somehow they always do magically. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way they, they come into my inbox and the, the magic of the combination of personalities always blows my mind. So it is something that, that I put a lot of thought into. And the, the themes are, they're provocative. They, or they, 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 I can, I can see a theme and think, oh, well, here, here are the stories that, that I have. Um, and I can also feel the clench of the gut thinking, oh, yeah. here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit this or I'm going I'm to raise my hand <laughs> to be part of it. Talk a little bit about the theme, some of the ones that have been really successful and some of the, some of the just give us that sense of them. Yeah. So this is um, anyone that hangs out with me is like rolling their eyes right now if they're listening to this. I pull out my phone or a notebook or pull over in the towers parking lot and just start writing things down. This would be amazing. This would be amazing. And of course, now people are starting to approach me. I had an idea, you know, and I'm like, that's great. Or absolutely not. Um, But my brain is always constantly working on how to push the envelope, how to go deeper. Um, The themes are purposely broad because I really want it to be open to interpretation because that's, that's just how life is. Um, You know, some people might hear the theme of under the influence and immediately think of getting drunk. Another person might think I was under the influence of a bad relationship. I was under the, the influence of a religion that wasn't serving me. Um, and that's what I love is how people interpret these themes. But I spend, again, inordinate, obsessive amount of times thinking about them. And then when they bubble to the top, um, that's when I publish the invite. Great. And, and that pre-work makes a lot of difference in the final uh, feel of the evening, I'm sure. And when once I've attended, if 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 they feel seamless, they, uh, everything just flows. Um, and there is a, a, a feeling the audience not only gets individually, but they share across the audience. And that's where that, that magic really happens. So whatever you're doing, no matter how much time it takes, keep doing it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for better or worse, for my mental and physical health, yes, it's worth it. <laughs> Let me um, just remind you that I am uh, Douglas Jackson. Uh, you're in Book City, Roanoke, and we're speaking today with Hooten Holler's Lee Hunsaker. Uh, Book No Further is our sponsor, and they are on Roanoke's historic market. Stop by and visit with proprietor Dolores Best. Check out the top sellers from 2019, and you'll get a sense of the power of local bookstores and independent bookstores, uh, what they do for local writers, and what their be- how their bestseller list is maybe a little different than what you see in the New York Times. Um, so stop by down on Roanoke's historic city market. Well, 
and some of the themes and and you've already mentioned um, every any theme that you put out there can um, really bring in stories with gravitas um, and stories that are helping people un, you know deal with their own changes in their life um, process changes that they've gone through in the past understand the community and the situation they're in um, and you're doing uh, it, and it's meaningful work um, people are enjoying and enjoying the stories and they're connecting, but you're also helping people deal with very specific situations too. How are you growing this effort and your work with, with helping people develop their stories? Well, one of the most exciting parts is starting to partner with some of the local nonprofits. Um, for instance, um, the United Way, uh, TAP, Sarah, which is our sexual assault um, survivors and um, nonprofit here, and that has been incredibly meaningful to me. Also, with Children's Trust, um, those stories are much more vulnerable. Um, those are not obviously um, easy to tell or or easy to hear, and so I'm very cognizant of both of those things. So when we ask for story submissions for these these hard stories, um, I take great effort to really feel protective of the storytellers. I'm, I'm like the den mother of storytellers anyway, even if it's a comedy show. Um, I really, really, my first priority is for them to feel safe and, and protected. So again, we work very hard behind the scenes. Um, we do phone calls, we meet for coffee, we do one rehearsal, um, we, you know, exchange multiple emails. And I think, again, one of the things that I offer storytellers is a safe place to fall. You know, I, I very much respect privacy. I very much acknowledge that things are not easy. Things are not always a comedy. And I think through that, people begin to feel comfortable to speak up. And then, of course, meeting the other storytellers, that's another one of my favorite parts, is when we do that one rehearsal, often people have never met each other. And so, you know, it starts out, everyone's kind of quiet and and awkward. And then by the end of the night, people are hugging and, you know, exchanging phone numbers. And, um, and there's just such a cool camaraderie that happens with each and every show. But, but yes, telling those hard stories is a huge component of, of how I'm growing and really enjoying, and I feel like it's really important. Well, let's talk more about your personal growth through this. Uh, wh- what have you learned uh, since 2008 when you came back and you, you dove into this? Um, and what year did you actually start Hoot and Holler? We started 2016 in October. Yeah, only 2016. Yeah. It's such a, it's such an institution already. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So so what have you what have you learned since starting Hoot and Holler? I think that gosh, again, so many layers. Um, one is that people trust me to to share, and that is a huge honor and something that I don't take light lightly, um, and. I've understand now kind of timing about arcs of stories and, and, you know, how to really start off strong and finish strong. And, you know, we have a 10 minute time limit. We try to enforce, I'll just say it that way. Um, But I'm getting stricter and stricter about (laughs) that (laughs) because I feel the audience, you know, that's kind of a magic number where the audience is 
is completely entranced and they're not getting shifty in their seats and they are fully engaged. Um, and, and so things like that, little things like that in terms of how to run the show, um, timing is huge. Arcing the story is huge. The rehearsal is something I insist on because it helps with those first waves of nerves and we kind of workshop it together. Um, I think people getting to say it out loud in front of a small group, um, and getting that feedback is so important. Um, but really I've just learned that I think I'm kind of good at this and giving myself a little bit of credit, which is not my forte. Um, I always want to, sort of brush that off. Um, and of course, Hoot and Holler would be nothing without the storytellers. But I think I am learning my strengths are really getting it out of them and and helping them feel safe in doing that. And so that I'm really proud of. And that's, that's huge. And you said it earlier in our conversation, um, people who um, don't feel that they have something to share, or they don't maybe their story's not worth hearing um, or can't picture that on the stage. Um, There's that much broader implication of, you know, we live in a community and a society where if we can align everybody's skills and energy uh, toward, you know, making the community a better place or toward any kind of outcome, we can do anything. But there are people who, haven't had somebody say, hey, yeah, your story's important. And here are some tips on on how to shape it and how to present it. And here's how it's important in the community. So that's huge. I definitely agree. I've I've really witnessed the shift. And um, it's it's so exciting to me. And, And then each time we reach new audiences and go deeper and wider into the community feels really good. Mm. Um, it, it's grown completely organically, um, truly off of Facebook and word of mouth. I don't have a website, which I'm in trouble about constantly from people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't do Instagram, which is on the list. Um, and so for me, it's just a testimony, um, of how much this is resonating with people because we seem to pack every venue that we that we go to and it just makes me know that this is the right thing Um, Mm -hmm. and every time I stand up there and feel the love from the audience which is truly I can feel it um, it makes it gives me more and more strength to want to keep going and pushing and going deeper and so it's it is so exciting and and you mentioned Sweet Donkey, whatever everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> coffee and yes. coffee houses and and beer gardens. Uh, but you you're not that's not your only home. You've got you're at home in Roanoke. Talk about some of the other venues that you that you use. Yes, um, I I love our venues and I love finding new venues. Um, of course, Five Points Music Sanctuary. Um, is such a beautiful space and has been a wonderful home for us. Um, the whole vibe in there, the sort of chapel feeling, the reverent feeling, but then, you know, having a cold beer in your hand, it's like we're sort of, you know, edgy, um, <laughs> which I love. Um, but but the staff and Tyler and, and that their whole mission really, really jives with what we're doing, too. So that's been a wonderful home. Um, of course, there's the Grandin Theater, which is a dream come true for many, many reasons, uh, very personal reasons for me, um, as my mom used to own that, that theater. And so I, I kind of grew up in that, in that room. And so being up there 
uh, sharing stories is it's truly been a dream and it's again a perfect venue for what we do Um, of course there's Floyd Fest which is a whole other awesome component of what we do you know we're outside and the breeze is blowing and the sun shining and that's just been a dream also we've been there for uh the past two years, hoping to go back. And each time our audience there grows wider and wider too. Um, We are working on branching out to the Barter Theater in Abingdon, which uh, I am beside myself about because I love traveling. I love taking this other places. I mean, really, truly, we really need a microphone and 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 a amp and we can set up anywhere. Uh, Parkway Brewing is another um, wonderful venue for us. We've got a great event coming up there. Um, gosh, where else? We've gone to the Draper Mercantile. Uh, we've been to the Dumas. Um, we're, we're really just a, a funky gypsy caravan of wordsmiths. <laughs> and we, we are happy to travel. <laughs> but our venues are always so welcoming. And it's really cool to try out different spaces. Mm-hmm. I love that description. <laughs> and one more question, or I think but we have time for one more okay. question. And so tell me about a storyteller in your life who helped uh, you appreciate stories or who you think of when, when, when you're telling a story. Well, I'd have to go back to my family. Um, they are from coal country, Richlands, Virginia. Uh, my mom grew up there in the in the fifties, and it was truly like Leave It to Beaver meets uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> meets like some really creepy Robert Mitchum, you know, uh, Southern Gothic, <laughs> dark <laughs> darkness, <laughs> which I love. I love that the sweetness on top and then the darkness underneath. Um, but their descriptions of some of the characters from their town, I have loved hearing those stories for years, for my whole life. My aunts and uncles and grandmother and grandfather, just the characters are have been like a driving force in my life. Very haunting, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> but I think my love of storytelling definitely started in my childhood and, and meeting some of those characters and just uh, having them in and out of my life and the richness of that. And of course, oral history, which is kind of a dying a dying thing, and I want to keep that preserved. So that's certainly where it started, those, those Southern Gothic uh, sweet and and dark stories. (laughs) Great. Well, you're doing a terrific job of keeping it alive and our community is better for it. Thank you. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Thanks so much for having me. And that was Lee Hunsaker and I'm Douglas Jackson. And that's the, that's a wrap for this episode of Book City Roanoke. Uh, You can um, thank our sponsor, Book No Further, down on Roanoke's Historic City Market. And you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast or you can find them at bookcityroanoke.com stay tuned for next week's episode with artist Catherine Devine